we're back to this episode that I've told you in advance. You might you might not like the subject matter I'm initially. Antsy. I'm antsy. All right. Okay. Let me just open with a question. How does it feel to be a failure? Whoa. <laughs> anyway, with that rhetorical question Fuck. out of the way, not not you. <laughs> okay. Not you specifically. It's like, hold the phone. You're great. Okay. We love you. Okay. <laughs> this episode is about difficulty and dark souls Ooh, a okay. topic that has never been discussed before <laughs> okay <laughs> is dark souls hard we're gonna find out today <laughs> okay that's that's not a that's not terrible <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's tired maybe but yeah. I'm, I'm willing to play ball yeah okay so oh, yeah it is a bit tired tired <laughs> subject yeah and then i read <laughs> then i read this book called let me get the title because mm. i read an ebook so i didn't get to like look at it okay playing with feelings video games and affect affect with an a of course mm. written by aubrey annabel who is canadian oh. um so that's exciting aubrey annabel is a visual studies scholar at carlton and u of t it looks like basically this book uh playing with feelings opens with this sort of question on what what is it that games are trying to do to become higher art mm. and why do we see that thing as the goalpost? Mm. so i'm going to bring up an image that is referenced in the book and it's a very shocking image for a number of reasons Ooh. or a surprising image i should say mm-hmm. it is a, this image it is astounding that it is in support of electronic arts first of all or it's an advertisement for electronic arts mm. uh it's this headline can a computer make you cry mm-hmm. which is not what i associate with ea <laughs> i associate yeah. EA with wow. madman annualized sports games that are relatively low effort on, mm. on the part of management obviously a lot of work goes into like programming those games but <laughs> conceptually the games are very lazy mm-hmm. there's this kind of idea floating around in the late 90s early 2000s it's still kind of around today which is this debate like are video games art and if they are then surely a video game should be able to make you cry mm-hmm. right which as Aubrey unpacks this in her book they bring up this sort of obvious question which is like do we hold other media to that standard? Like, mm. is that, cause here's the thing, like films that are highly emotive are kind of relegated to like chick flicks, right? Yeah. Like a very emotional movie is not inherently considered to be more artistic. Right. And there's a lot of stuff with gender we can get into there, mm. but it's like, you know, the, the IMDB top 250. I don't think like Bridget Jones diary is high on the list, right? Mm. There's a sort of relegation or we think of like soap operas. Like if a movie's too emotional, it's like bad. Yeah. And certainly if you look at like, maybe not the letterbox top movies, but like the IMDb top movies, they're mm. all very cerebral, unemotive movies. Kubrick, right? Like yeah. <laughs> Christopher Nolan. I don't think Christopher Nolan is capable of feelings. Uh, a little fun <laughs> fact. I think he had his heart surgically yeah. removed. Yeah. Um, and that's not like a slight on Chris Nolan. That's just kind of the, the type of movie that's he makes. Ballpark, that's really. his ballpark. Yeah. His themes are all about basically it's basically from the mind of someone who's like what are feelings yeah you you know because it's like oh you break down the thematic of inception it's like oh it's about a guy trying to return to the moment where i think when he parts with his wife or something and then it's like but then you have to go through like two and a half hours of like (laughs) yo this is like puzzling the rules and And it's like very you know technical like so far removed from that it's like you know he's trying to be emotional in his own very roundabout way and that's you know that's just how he is a hundred percent and if you look at like the dark knight like there are emotional questions in that movie Mm. but a lot of the stuff with what the joker's doing is it's related to game theory and like the prisoner's dilemma (laughs) so like fundamentally the dark knight is a movie about economic principles like (laughs) yeah these like you know thought experiments in economics it's Mm. like 
Anyway, yeah. I still like that movie. It's not the most emotional movie of all time. Yeah. You're not crying at the end of Dark Knight, mm-hmm. which puts this ad in interesting context. It's like, are we judging? First of all, why is EA making an ad that asks if games <laughs> can make you feel emotion? But also, like, is emotionality the high artistic achievement mm-hmm. games need to be striving for? So with that in mind, what is what is inherent to gaming? If we're being formalists about it, and mm-hmm. if, if games are doing things that only games can do, mm-hmm. certainly I'm just going to uh, shit on a game for no reason. <laughs> the Last of Us is a tremendous television show, and then they made it a show again. <laughs> there you go. There's the singer. And that's why that's why Craig Mazin made such a good show. Mm-hmm. And I think it is a great show. Okay. Um, so I watched it and then played the game. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like the exact fucking same. Wow. Like, shot for shot in some cases and I, then as soon as the game started I was like oh this really is not much of a game <laughs> and these cutscenes they're not even really right. cutscenes as we might get into later yeah. with the definition of cutscene mm-hmm. all of which to say what is it that a game can do on its own mm-hmm. and so one of the things one of the chapters in this book uh, playing with feelings chapter four is called games to fail with mm-hmm. which I think is a cool title Dark Souls appears briefly in this chapter it's in context to like, there's a story about a woman who wants to like play games with her friends and mm-hmm. then her friends play Dark Souls and she's like, oh, I don't want to, they're going to think I'm terrible, mm-hmm. which I would push back against. I think losing at Dark Souls is all the fun, but um, I'm going to bring up sort of to contextualize the release of Demon Souls, the first mm-hmm. game in the Souls series, a Flash game that's part of discourse on kind of hand-holding in AAA games. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of it. You may not have. We're going to find out if the site is still active. Oh, oh is uh, it shut down? No, it's taken over by some like weird Russian like thing. Um, oh God! Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> we got the Internet Archive. Oh yeah, we got it. Now, let's Ooh. make sure the sound. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna let you play this. This oh, is God. so for those viewing at home. This is a okay. flash game called "You Have to Burn." Do the I need rope. to use both hands for this? Or? I, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to to play and just. There's a boss, and you can't hurt him with your web. Okay, so I can jump. Oh, what the fuck? Okay. Whoa. Okay. So this oh, boss geez. is the Grinning Colossus. Burn All right, he's got he's got the torch. <laughs> it's got some fun animations. Yeah, it's, it's pretty well done. Beautiful. And then okay. oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the whole game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's very self-explanatory. We'll play a little bit of the song. So this is this is from an internet like a bygone era. I want to say like late two thousands, maybe like twenty ten or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a relative who used to work in the games industry. He worked at one of the big three companies. I won't give too much details, but mm-hmm. the kind of company who makes the sort of games that they're making fun of there. Yeah, and it's sort of this meta comment on hand holding in AAA games. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, how do you feel having played that game? Yeah, I mean, I you know I tried to give the benefit of a doubt. Like you know, I'm just playing this game like 
getting a feel for how it works. Like, you know, I'll burn the rope and just try it out. And then, yeah, I did so. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the game just tells you how to play it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's kind of the commentary on how on the nose and just like handhold it is. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's coming at this time where, you know, I, this is sort of me just speaking armchair, but like mm-hmm. anytime in the 90s, there's games that are designed in a way that everyone's still figuring out 3D. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean? What does a game look like? So, like, the first Resident Evil, I don't think it's tank controls on purpose. Mm-hmm. I think it's a holdover from Alone in the Dark, but it's also just there's things in that game that are like difficult that were perhaps unintentional. Mm-hmm. So, as we move into the, the new millennium, uh, there's this idea that we're going to improve games. And in some cases, that means making them easier. And I mean, we were both around in 2008 sort of era. Games were getting really handholdy. Mm-hmm. I feel like they really telegraphed everything that was expected of you. I was making fun of The Last of Us earlier. Mm-hmm. That I actually stopped playing that game like five minutes in because wow. you're like running down this alley and there's like this bright light that's like, go here. And yeah. I was like, oh man, like <laughs> this is this is an M-rated game. Yeah. This is not for seven-year-olds. This is. <laughs> and I remember similarly, like there was this Ubisoft game. I was really excited to play Far Cry Blood Dragon because mm. I was like, oh, this will have a cool art yeah, style. Yeah. I'm sure it's a fine game, but mm-hmm. it opens with like, they're kind of lampshading it and like tongue in cheek, but it's mm-hmm. like, use the left analog stick to move. And I was like, are we really doing this? Like, <laughs> use the right, right. analog. There's less of an excuse over time. Like, mm-hmm. I remember like the first Kingdom Hearts is like, step forward, can you do it? And it's like explaining how an analog yeah, stick works. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of people's first use of a 3D analog stick. So mm-hmm. like, fine, this is the first generation where it comes with a 3D analog stick. Mm-hmm. I guess, right? But after a certain point, it's like you really don't have to over-explain the concept of a game existing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had a lot of. Um, and then, I would say in the middle of this era of extreme hand-holding, you had a game like Demon Souls, which no one played because it was a PS3 exclusive. But then we had Dark Souls, which was basically the same game, if I'm being honest. Some of the bosses are literally the same, but it's on Xbox, so now people are like, oh, this game exists. Yeah. Um, and I would argue, and I don't think this is too controversial, that when Dark Souls comes out, that's like the beginning of of a new form of more popular online streaming. Mm. So you have streamers who are playing Dark Souls and you get mm. to watch them go, yeah. and I remember like people who were just not, maybe you know the people I'm talking about at our high school, but people who were not Dark Souls people were like, oh yeah, Dark Souls, the hardest game ever. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> like, because <laughs> yeah. uh, like I played a fair bit of Demon Souls in those days and yeah. the game was a lot of things to me. It was mm. a certain art style and like the dialogue's kind of funky in this game. Like those are the things I associated it with. And then it sort of just kind of got pigeonholed as like, this is the hard game. Yeah. And obviously Dark Souls is so much more than that. And mm-hmm. it's not even really hard if you know, like, well, you have to look up the tricks, but like there's certain things you can do in the game that significantly reduce the difficulty. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like what do you make of that? Because like, there was a point where Dark Souls was, well, Demon Souls was a pretty well-loved smaller game. And then Dark Souls like becomes this other thing in the pop culture. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, so Demon's Souls came out when I was around in high school. So mm-hmm. basically, a little backstory, I guess. I was looking up, like, I think it was, like, upcoming action and RPG games. Mm. And I there were, like, a few games I was excited for. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this Demon's Souls looks kind of cool and interesting. It's, like, this new you know, fantasy action game that's not Skyrim. And it's like, it's got these like concentrated levels and this very 
kind of new for its time game design and everything because like a lot of fantasy action rpg games of the console variety i don't think there were too many that were like multiplayer kind of right, the yeah, capacity yeah. that demon souls was yeah so it was like oh man like i gotta give this a shot and like hmm. there were like when i was first playing demon souls like oh, that was <laughs> so many playthroughs ago and yeah. just like <laughs> trying to remember the raw experience of it like there's parts of demon souls which are still a little unclear like mm-hmm. but you have to sometimes you just make the concession of looking things up online the internet exists yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was definitely walls of difficulty and it was such a like new experience it just kind of checked all these boxes of how i wanted a like an action fantasy rpg game to be and play mm. with like the level of customization how you explore the world and like the intrinsic relationship of like earning rewards and everything in my mind they're not hard games in that the rpg elements i think compensate for gaps in skill perhaps mm. but um <laughs> this is all very tangential but no, to the earlier point about kind of the difficulty and everything i think when demon souls came out it it was like a bit of like a passively known thing that was tied to its reputation and it was like a little enigmatic it's like oh there's this really critically beloved game demon souls out right now and it's winning all these awards but it's also known for being pretty hard yeah, it's pretty hard yeah and so it was like oh that's like that kind of intrigued people for a while mm-hmm. then once um, Dark Souls came out and it became multi-platform. Once it got that Xbox crowd, who, who this is a kind of a generalization about oh, people who play, <laughs> who play certain consoles, but it's like they don't wipe their ass. <laughs> yeah, Xbox players are like the douchey tryhards. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh man, fucking, you're playing some Halo, got a fucking yeah twenty kill streak, KD, whatever. It's like. Yeah. Then the like a lot of the sentiment became overwhelmingly so that oh Dark Souls is like the patient zero for like this is the hard game this yeah. is the infamously hard game. real gamers only real yeah. gamers <laughs> and, yeah. and so it became the whole discourse and like the the reputation of the Souls games I think that whole kind of culture and sentiment led to the idea of like the artistry behind the Souls games becoming less kind of widely recognized or less of a talking point than the difficulty, which used to be kind of the other way around where it's like, oh, the difficulty is like a special note as part of the caveat. And now it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, the Souls games, they're hard. And then all the articles became, that became like the shorthand of ubiquity. It was so terrible. And this game is the new Dark Souls. The the Dark Souls, blah, blah, blah. And that just, it's dumb shorthand for this game's hard. And it's like, I don't want that. Yeah, it's it's reductive. Yeah, it's so reductive. For me, like the appeal of Demon's Souls and some of the other Souls games wasn't strictly in the difficulty. It was like, oh, you know, you have to work for your rewards. And I, on micro levels, there's things that would change. But the Mm. core of it is like I can sit down and play like nearly any Souls game because it like clicks Mm -hmm. so much with what I want out of a video game. Sure, yeah. Well, you're, you're touching on something that I think is true of me as well, which is you would uh, perhaps self-identify as someone someone who's not like an expert, like MLG, the best gamer ever. Yeah, yeah. 
I would say the same of me. Anyone who's watched me play Zelda, which I love, mm-hmm. and like my whole identity as a kid is I love the Zelda games. Mm-hmm. People watch me play Ocarina of Time or especially Breath of the Wild. Yeah. They're like, are you having a stroke <laughs> right now? Like, yeah. I'm not very good at video games. Full disclosure, I've beaten Demon's Souls six times. You've mm-hmm. beaten it at least ten times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your actual total? Oh, record? God. I, I think it's like 85. Hell now. yeah. <laughs> and this is like, uh, yeah, which is awesome. Like, the game deserves that many playthroughs for a variety of reasons. Yeah. There's stuff in that game that I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll get that on my 25th playthrough. <laughs> and I'm, I'm only on like playthrough seven or eight. Yeah. Um, there's something in dark souls and the discourse i think you touched on it it's Mm -hmm. that it's the xbox crowd sucks like (laughs) like the whole notion because i've made videos where i complain about like first person shooters and all the comments are like maybe you're just bad at them and it's starting to shout again on this podcast but (laughs) right and there's this notion of like video games are about getting good Mm -hmm. right which i think is toxic for a variety of reasons but uh, to talk about dark souls specifically because i think dark souls is less difficult than other games that don't get talked about that way Mm -hmm. breath of the wild is one of the hardest fucking games i've ever played no one is fucking calling for it to have an easy mode like the discourse is just radically different and also dark souls there is like an amount of like um because when we talk about hard games we mean a number of things by that for call of duty it means like reflexes how's your hand-eye coordination dark souls there the whole soul series there's an amount of rng in it i mean there's so many demon souls bosses where if you're just unlucky it's going to be a bad time Mm -hmm. and if you're really lucky the boss is super easy yeah I would say the thing with Dark Souls, though, is that the discourse on like, oh, you have to be a pro gamer to play Dark Souls. In the mm-hmm. end, you feel like a pro gamer. You, there's that tweet that's like, if you use cheats, you've experienced a hollow victory. <laughs> right. The thing is, Dark Souls does not start here and then progressively get harder until you beat the hardest boss mm-hmm. and then you're the pro gamer. Because yeah. I would argue, and perhaps you might agree, mm-hmm. all the hardest parts of Dark Souls 1 are in the first half. Because mm-hmm. I would say like the midpoints, Ornstein and, the, and Orlando. Yeah. That is hands down the hardest part of the game. For me personally, the hardest boss is the first time you fight a Capra demon in that really enclosed space. Yeah. At the very least, I'm sure we can agree, the last boss of Dark Souls is not the hardest boss in the game, no, right? No. <laughs> like, I, like I'm, I'm assuming you feel similarly. The game does not have a, a regular difficulty curve. Yeah. Judging these metrics of, like, how bosses are designed, it's mm-hmm. like, you know there's so many factors to consider and they and you don't want them to all be like the same boss but just with more health because then you're making a bad game essentially (laughs) so it's like you know you always have to like fundamentally change like the animations how how these bosses function but how do you get to the core of like what makes this a hard boss and like understanding all the mechanics and like completely breaking it down beat by beat like oh how does this animation work um how much health do they have uh what are the builds and kind of the approaches you can have to this and everything so yeah you know i think it's inevitable that like with like pretty much any game you're never going to run a linear course where Mm -hmm. every every boss will like smoothly (laughs) getting like harder till you reach the peak like there's going to be dips and valleys Case in point, Demon Souls Souls, literally like one of the easiest bosses is the final boss because they make kind of like a thematic point of it. Like, oh, look at how this man's been like (laughs) twisted and he's just like a fucking sad sack who you just kick his ass. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a hell of a final boss for a variety of reasons. I think like there is this notion that uh, I guess in the the popular discourse on Mm -hmm. Dark Souls being difficult and like making it making the game inaccessible is that if you buy a game on some level 
you're not getting the full experience unless you reach the final cutscene. Mm-hmm. And we will come back to that. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a question of like, how do we define a hard game? Mm-hmm. Because Dark Souls is a number of things that I don't think um, older games that are famous for being difficult, yeah. a lot of those older games don't do. Yeah. So one thing I would say is that, <laughs> this is you know, famously not the case in Demon's Souls, but in Dark mm-hmm. Souls at least, once everyone starts playing it, yeah. you don't really get punished for dying in the sense that like you lose the, the soul money that you got. But... Mm-hmm the game doesn't get harder crucially yeah. and i think there's a lot of games that aren't talked about in this sort of like oh it's so hard it's inaccessible or yeah. whatever um because i would say resident evil 2 on the ps1 one and two on the ps1 mm-hmm. um it's possible to create an impossible condition in right the game, right yeah so you can save in the first resident evil with no herbs low health there's no way you're beating the game like yeah. you've created an impossible condition mm-hmm. and dark souls does not have that and in fact it standardizes how many health flasks you have mm-hmm. so there's like an idea of i think h bomber guy talks about it as like here's your maximum amount of health generally yeah, yeah. which i think makes the game uh, pretty accessible i think it's a very friendly feature absolutely this is going to sound like such a boring thing to say because it's mm-hmm. so obvious but i feel like it's missing from the discourse yeah. is that dark souls is a game where if you're horrible at it as i am mm-hmm. you just keep playing and losing until you figure out what's happening yeah and the game gives you infinite chances. It mm-hmm. doesn't get harder the more you die. You can just keep playing it until you figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's not even necessarily that you're like getting good, mm-hmm. so to speak. It's that you're just figuring out what are the attack patterns. Um, I asked earlier, what does it feel like to be a failure? I'm sort of asking that generally, <laughs> yeah. sort of to myself as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the marketplace of the actual literal open market, I've made web shows that no one watched. I've made film, like short films that no one watched. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea in inherent to capitalism, which I want to be clear what I mean by that. Like, cause, and this sounds like a strange diversion for a video on Dark Souls, so bear with me here. <laughs> so capitalism is, broadly speaking, the idea that the marketplace should exist without government involvement. Mm-hmm. So we don't like go to a polling booth to vote on should we have HD DVD or Laserdisc. I'm massively oversimplifying it and being quite generous, <laughs> but the idea is that we vote with our dollars. So the businesses that make it, so to speak, are the ones that we decide communally, but not with government help. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's the idea. And so if failure is discussed, through, uh, and I'm not sure who posited this originally, but it's become part of like self-help culture with like the fucking mm-hmm. Tony Robbinses of the world, who I'm not a fan of, but we'll come back to mm-hmm. that. Failure as part of success. So it's like eventually you'll be successful but you, there's failures along the way. Yeah. And in capitalism, failure is meant to be read as you're not good enough yet. So if you want to start a hot dog stand, you're going to fail a bunch of times because you're not good enough. And eventually, you got enough practice. You're the master hot dog god. <laughs> then, you, then you can have right. a hot dog stand and make a billion dollars. That's the point of this convoluted hot dog metaphor. There's this idea inherent to capitalism that eventually becomes part of how we build games, which is that if you fail enough times, you will become better as a person and you'll become successful. Mm. So in this book, Playing With Feelings, there's a chapter, Games to Fail With. Kind of what she's getting at with the chapter was something that uh, caught me a little bit off guard, which Mm. is that when we're talking about what is the condition, what is the thing that gaming does that no other medium can do, right? If if melodrama is not what games are supposed to do well, what Mm. is it that games can do uniquely that no other medium can do? Yeah. Um, And she kind of reaches this point, failure and repetition are what gaming can do that no other medium can, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting because if you're you're engaging with linear media, and I'm going to really overstate an obvious point, if you're reading a book, you you might just suck at reading, but you're not going to like be forced to go back to the first page at any point, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're watching a movie, you can restart it if you want, or you can get confused. But fundamentally, the movie will not physically prohibit you from watching the whole movie, Mm -hmm. right? There can be upsetting content. There's a variety of things, but mechanically, the movie's not going to stop you. 
That may change. Netflix might do something weird. Who knows? Oh, <laughs> they God. might paywall the ending of Stranger Things, pay eight extra dollars to see the character. Who knows? Jesus. This could all change tomorrow. But video games can prevent you from advancing, mm-hmm. and they can make you repeat. Like, they can force you to repeat sections of the game. And I say force you. You can always just stop playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's a very low-stakes problem. So I, I almost wonder if what Dark Souls is trying to tell us about failure is that what if failure is not this like Tony Robbins thing about one day you'll own your own hot dog stand and one day you'll be the the god of the dark soul or whatever. Mm. What if failure is the whole point? What if you just stay in the failure? Because most of the time when you're playing a Souls (laughs) game, you're fucking dying, you're failing. You know, I don't think either of us are like, oh, I'm going to throw the controller at the TV and I'm going to, you know, punch my brother. Like that's, I don't think either of us are these sort of rage gamers. I know people like that tend to dominate the conversation, mm-hmm. but it's, I, I just don't understand that way of life. I, mm-hmm. like, you know, if, if you enjoy a game, you should enjoy the game. You shouldn't yeah. be upset that you have to play you know, the ritual path again, mm-hmm. although I have played a ritual path more times perhaps than I'd like, but <laughs> yeah. there should be a joy in the repetition and the failure and almost like trance that you go in by playing yeah. it over and over again, yeah. which I think is, is just unique to gaming, and I think that's maybe something gaming does well. And I think that for me, that's why it's interesting that all of the Souls games that I know of, I haven't actually beaten the third one or Dark Souls 3, but Mm. Demon's Souls at least and Dark Souls, the last bosses are quite easy, Mm. right? And I think there's a lesson in there that it's not that you get good and then you beat the game and you feel like the greatest gamer of all time, although that may be the case that someone feels that way. But there's all these like mini frustrations along the way. And there's periods like in Orlando where you're like, what is happening? No one could possibly actually like this game. I am so mad. Um, and, you know, you get to the end of this segment. You're like, oh, that felt nice. And then you beat the game. And there's this like very anticlimactic final boss. And I think there's a lesson in that, that like failure was the game. Mm. And I almost wonder, and this is maybe my hot take, but because mm. we know someone... <laughs> I'm just going to shit on a friend of ours for no reason. But we know someone who had like 15 hours clocked on the first Dark Souls and had not beaten the first uh, boss. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that. <laughs> I wonder, because I, I know we're making fun of it. That's basically me. I'm also very bad. At, I, I just want to be full disclosure. I'm very bad at Dark Souls. I almost wonder if that even is getting the full Dark Souls experience. Because it's not, it's not like you have to look at every character model and beat every quest yeah. to really get the full experience. What if just failing that badly mm-hmm. is the Dark Souls experience? Yeah. I don't know. So that's that's sort of my thesis. What if failure is the whole point? Even if there's no mm-hmm. success later, just celebrate the ability to fail. I don't know how that feels to you. Interesting. That's that's a very loaded question. Just mm-hmm. the, you know, the idea of failure without kind of its counterpoint success and everything in these kind of hypothetical situations being able to do that within a bubble i think you raise a valid point of um you know trying to make peace with kind of that experience and what you almost like a peace of mind and maybe i'm you know speaking from a place where i i don't entirely understand or sure, just viscerally sure. but like i'm trying to process it sure but i think your point about like capitalism uh kind of offers a good through line to help me better understand it but it's like you know there's something at stake still you know as much as the you know the capitalist grind mindset is like keep failing until you succeed but when you're in the real life grind, those failures can be costly. You and might die. You, you might, might not fucking die. You might not be able to buy food or pay rent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's, it's like that feels like shit and that has real life consequences. Yeah. If you try to make peace with like, here's an experience where I can fail 
and then I can, you know, take a step back and think, I'm just playing a video game. Yes. And, like, yeah. there's nothing at stake here. I'm just going into this process, and I'm feeling, and, you know, maybe it's kind of a, a purging of emotion and sponging mm. of stress. It's like I'm continually failing but then nothing happens after, essentially. Yeah. I'm fine. Actually, you're really touching on the theme of the book, uh, mm -hmm. Playing With Feelings, which is that I think Aubrey Annabelle is really arguing that there's no real separation between the game and reality in the mm -hmm. sense that the feelings are real either way, Yeah, which is an interesting thought. Not everyone would agree necessarily, but I think what she's really getting at is that games are a sandbox no matter what. Unless you're literally gambling at a slot machine, there's no real consequences. Yeah. You know, you can get very frustrated, but it's not like Miyazaki's going to jump out of the screen in Dark Souls and like slap you, right? Yeah. Like that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think you've touched on it, which is that in real life, we can talk about capitalism as celebrating failure, but it really doesn't. I mean, if you cannot make your rent and you cannot buy food, you might die, right? Like that, that happens a lot. Or you, yeah. in the States, you can't pay for your health care. Yeah. And that's just a cold reality of that system. Even the people who love capitalism will say, yeah, you'll die if you can't make it. Like that. <laughs> it's crazy that that's... Um, yeah. And I will say, like that's that sort of celebration of failure, that sort of self-help culture, like the Tony Robbins of it, mm -hmm. you know, for me as a filmmaker, it's like that's sort of the lesson that was passed on from like filmmaking gurus. I won't mm -hmm. mention any names, but some very prominent filmmakers, the advice is go make your own film. Yeah. The thing is, for me, as like a vaguely lower middle class guy with like a lot of social supports, if I run, if I make a movie that sucks and everyone hates and I run out of money, there's really not much at stake. I can always move in with my parents. And, you know, this idea of like, it's up to you to make your own film self-funded, make a credit card film. Well, if you're like a single mom with no social support nets and you don't talk to your family and yeah. you get into credit card debt. Good Lord, like the, the consequences of failure there are very real. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know it's a weird comparison, but like in Dark Souls, if you die, especially in Dark Souls, as opposed to Demon Souls, nothing really happens. Yeah. Like if you used any consumables, that's on you. But like mm -hmm. the game's not going to increase in difficulty. And in, if anything, you've learned something in a yeah. very real way. Dark Souls is letting you practice failure in a true sandbox. And not every game lets you practice failure that way because sometimes there are uh, fundamental consequences. I mean, I mentioned Resident Evil, but like there's a lot of stuff you can do in the PS1 Resident Evil games that will fuck you up so bad. Yeah. And like you might have to restart, which sucks, yeah. right? I know firsthand, you know, that even Code Veronica, there were mm. like, I think the first time I played it, I got to a point where I'd run out of herbs and, or, and there was like a very, there was like a boss coming up and that like you had to get hit for and I was mm. basically screwed. So I had to, start the game over from scratch and it was like a miserable feeling right, yeah. but by comparison to dark souls it's like if you're in that fail state you can mm -hmm. go elsewhere you, you're not restricted in all yeah. these like resources and setback that much there's so many alternatives you could do mm -hmm. you don't know what's coming if you're fresh into resident evil code veronica it's a new game like anything else you you get up to a certain point you're like oh shit now i i've used all my resources and i'm at this point where uh, some big difficult obstacle i can't overcome without xyz resources comes up mm -hmm. so it's like yeah it's it's dispiriting yeah and i mean i guess because it's a weird argument that i'm trying to make that failure is like the sort of <laughs> the state of, of Dark Souls that it's trying to get you in. Yeah. Uh, and it's failure without hope of victory, which I think is a, a strange thing to suggest. Mm -hmm. But what I would separate Dark Souls from other games that 
sort of create the illusion of meritocracy. So mm. meritocracy, of course, being the idea that the good stuff will rise to the top. If you get talented enough, you'll instantly become rich. Yeah. Doctor, you know, John Hollywood will just deposit a billion dollars <laughs> in your bank account if you <laughs> act good enough, yeah. which is perhaps not a, a, an idea that can even be proven. So why do we even build a society around it? Who knows? I certainly don't have an opinion. <laughs> um, but in, uh, I'm going to throw a weird reference at you, but Felicia Day, the actress, mm. um, in, I believe, one of her books, or maybe it was a podcast appearance to promote the book. I have read the book, I promise. But she talks about playing World of Warcraft as an escape, not in terms of like leaving reality, but mm. she had uh, gone to Hollywood at a relatively young age mm-hmm. and was just always going to these auditions. Mm-hmm. And the thing I'll say about auditions, and this is as someone who has even been in a position to cast people before, mm-hmm. the audition does not go to the most talented actor. You don't you don't just like pick the person who acted the hardest or cried the hardest and or did like the oh, yeah, yeah, I lost my son whatever the fuck that line is like <laughs> you don't just give it to the hardest actor right mm-hmm. there's so many things like um, this character needs to have very sharp facial features or like this character needs to be five foot seven right like there's a bunch of things that are outside of your control that you can't just brute force like mm-hmm. so let's say like whatever Felicia Day's type is like five foot seven with red hair. They could audition a hundred people and the director's like, actually this should be a a seven foot tall blonde haired woman. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and then fundamentally that is divorced from the talent of anyone who auditioned. So all of which to say Felicia day goes to Hollywood and realizes it's not a meritocracy and I can't just work hard enough to create the opportunities. Like Mm -hmm. they will, there will be so many things that are out of my control. Mm-hmm. I can only have one hair color at a time. You know, like the, yeah. you just can't fundamentally, I can't change my height at will. Um, and to her, World of Warcraft was a place to escape to that mm. was a complete meritocracy. Mm. If you work hard enough, if you, the fucking fetch quests in that game are out <laughs> of control. If I kill seven beavers, I can get seven beaver pelts and get the, the sword of ultimate. I used to actually play World of Warcraft. I know it sounds like I never did. <laughs> but I used to play World of Warcraft and it's a bunch of fucking fetch quests, but it creates this feeling of you get the, not serotonin, but the other one, dopamine. Mm-hmm. You get the dopamine hit by like clicking the button and then the, you know, the ultimate expression of that is fucking Candy Crush with its sound effects. And yeah. if you slide the things over, it does that. And then I work in sound. I should getting have better sound really effects. Pri- we're getting into really primitive explanations. Of you do the thing in the... Yeah. We start off by defining capitalism, and now I'm like making up sound effects. Rock make fire? <laughs> that's all I wanted this podcast to be is, is a mix of the primitive yeah. and the advanced. Yeah. Um, and so video, video games are often talked about that way on purpose. Like people are very aware of the way that video games help people simulate meritocracy. If I work hard enough, if I get good enough, then I can win the game. And I, I think for me, what separates Dark Souls from that is that a lot, there's a lot of luck in Dark Souls. Like Demon Souls, I think the man-eater for me is the hardest boss. Yeah. Sometimes they just like slip on a banana peel and you win. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah. I'm not going to restart because <laughs> I feel like that's valid. Yeah. I didn't cheat. Yeah. The game just fucked up. And oh, I yeah. think during the height of the Dark Souls accessibility discourse, um, Michael Lutz, who's a podcaster I really admire, he tweeted something along the lines of, you know, he's certainly in support of them adding accessibility features, but mm-hmm. he's saying that Dark Souls isn't so much hard. It's a game where you like, keep pushing bricks until one is loose mm. and it sometimes that is literally the game fucking up on itself yeah and then other times you're just finding something that's put there on purpose but it's not necessarily that you're getting so good that you beat the boss mm-hmm. um, i would argue sometimes you're just learning the pattern which comes with 10 hours of failure mm. and i think that's a real part of dark souls is that it's not just your abilities it's like the game is this weird chaotic piece of software where just shit happens yeah. i don't know yeah i mean that's you know 
I, I think it could tie in thematically with the chaos and those games are also about uh, treads of hope there's some a lot of sadness and profundity and absurdity and all sorts of everything in those games so it's a lot it's the t- it's a totality yeah i mean you're almost touching on like nihilism where you're like you're on your 40th playthrough of ornstein <laughs> and you're like okay yeah what is happening here <laughs> and then what ends up yeah. helping you win is just dumb luck yeah. right which i think is poetic it's like a it's like a shane black movie <laughs> just stuff happens <laughs> shrug um <laughs> beautiful and i'll read you my, my formal conclusion okay can we exist in the failure not as a path to success or a temporary embarrassment along the way uh, as the self-help gurus the tony robbins of the world might want us to pay them money to tell us but what if failure is the full experience what if failure is the end state um And what if, I guess I was referencing our friend, what if fucking up and playing 15 hours of Dark Souls on the first boss, what if that is the truest Dark Soul? The true Dark Soul starts here. Um, Judging a game's value by reaching the end cutscene, that's judging a game by the same merits as a box of Pop-Tarts. I didn't eat all the cheese strings, so I didn't get the full value. And I don't think Dark Souls is that. I think it's something else. Anyway, that's what I feel. Do you have any closing thoughts on this? play dark souls <laughs> <laughs> i think that you know it's an experience <laughs> there you go Good Lord. <laughs> this whole thing was a commercial <laughs> i'm shilling it but you know it's you know i'm not doing it for the devs i think you know yeah. as you've tried to put it as an artistic experience beyond right, yeah. providing all the, this emotionality that's oh. something you know so latent and so profound to a human experience so you know and and isn't that kind of the ethos of art you know good art it should just evoke something special in you yeah a hundred percent and for the record dark souls does have an easy mode and it's called crescent falchion plus three (laughs) and you get it and the game is so fucking easy demon souls ah (laughs) how dare you you noob when you get the red hat in dark souls (laughs) And that is us officially, formally shutting down the get good discourse. Because when I want to hear someone beat Dark Souls, I don't think that they're the proest gamer that ever pro gamed. I just think, oh, you're a very patient person. There you go. Realistically. And certainly there's a, a conversation to be had on easy modes and accessibility, which I think is it's an interesting conversation to have. But I, I really hate the tryhards. Mm-hmm. And everyone who owns an Xbox does not know how to use deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, my thesis. Beauty. So yeah. So with that in mind, <laughs> you have a heart of gold. Don't let them take it. From there you. we go. You have a heart of gold. Don't let them take your copy of Dark Souls away. And I know that's from a different game than Dark Souls. Let me try that again. Uh, every, <laughs> I really mix up Dark Souls and Demon Souls. I mean, I said it because it's from Demon Souls, but there you know, we go. it's in spirit. <laughs> As Solaire once says, you have a heart of gold. Touch the demon inside me. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Beauty. <laughs>